Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia, and today we're going to be joined by a very special guest. Our special guest will be Orlando Torres. He He's a contributor to Fansighted and also Fantasy Sports Talk as well. So make sure you go and uh, check him out and see all the, the great things that he's doing out there for both these respective outlets. So Orlando, you were there with us, you know, in press row when we were covering the UTSA versus the Rice game. And, you know, we were kind of thinking, man, you know, we, I think both of us kind of thought, you know, that UTSA would, would get the win. Uh, we thought they were going to get the win. I had told you, I think, before the game started, I predicted uh, 17 to 10. And I think you were like, yeah, you, you thought they were going to win too. You thought the game was going to be a little bit, uh, a little closer uh, as well. So, I mean, what were your observations from from the Spur, from the Spurs from the UTSA and Rice game? Uh, I had a feeling it was going to be a tough one. Uh, you know, UTSA uh, coming to this game feeling the pressure, uh, looking at some of their past games, especially against UAB. You know, just losing some heartbreakers and uh, just the uh, the little things in the games that cost them wins that you know hurt that hurt them in the long stretch. And with Rice coming into town for their homecoming game, I knew it was going to be another tough game. Um, you know, it was a tough week to bounce back to focus on Rice. But not only that, Rice is, even though they're still winless, you know, they came in with that competitive edge. They came in uh, with the mindset of focusing, you know, homecoming for UTSA. And, you know, hats off to them. They were trying to win the game. And if – you know, a couple more mistakes by UTSA and, you know, Rice might have gotten their first victory on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you. It was the, the mistakes, I think, that both of us were seeing little things. You know, sometimes it was as simple as a missed tackle or it could have been, you know, I don't know, somebody was holding offsides. You know, penalties uh, kind of killed them, you know, killed that momentum that the defense had going at times. And it would allow Rice to continue their drives. Um and the Rice defense, I mean, Rice hasn't won a single game, yes. But their defense, I think, is kind of underrated because their defense is, is pretty solid. I mean, I think you 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 observed the same thing, correct? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, no, their, their defense and offense is, uh, yeah, very good. And it, and it showed. Yeah, it did show, you know. And, and I was looking at some of the, you know, the quick stats and looking and seeing uh, what was really happening here and then. We had Sincere McCormick, you know, he had a good game uh, out there, and so did uh, Brendan Brady, you know, uh, Narcisse, the quarterback for UTSA as well. They had, they all had decent games, you know. I mean, I was amazed at uh, how 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 easy it was for Narcisse just to, at times, just get out there and run the ball. I think that's his one of his greatest strengths uh, out there on on the on the field is just being able to run that ball and get that yardage because. He's a big guy, and he can get out there, and he can run with the best of them, and you know he can kind of bang bang bodies with people, you know, and kind of get an extra yard or two. So the guy's got some moves, man. So I like that out of Narcisse. I mean, what have you seen out of him too? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, he's got that competitive edge. He's not afraid of uh, you know pain. He he uh, he brings it on to opposing defenders. Uh, and uh, it's as a as a you know watching as a fan, it's fun to see. But you also get a little worried, uh, you know, with the then being down the starting quarterback of UTSA. You know, you kind of worry about Narcisse. We've seen him a couple times like limp after a couple of plays. Uh, but you know, he's a playmaker, and uh, you know, he's he's you know as the weeks go by, you can see him uh, 
gradually getting better uh, with his passes, uh, not missing as many open wide receivers. And uh, one thing that's really good about him is, is just his mobility to run. It just makes it a threat. It makes it hard for opposing defenders because they don't know if they're going to run the ball. They don't know if they're going to go for a pass or if it's going to be uh, Narcisse running up the middle. So uh, he's a definitely a dual threat. Yeah, that he is, man. So needless to say, I think we're both kind of uh, excited to watch this game because, honestly, this was probably one of the most exciting games of the season that uh, UTSA fans have seen out there, you know, at the Alamo Dome. Um, it had everything you wanted. Both these teams were going back and forth, back and forth. Both teams desperately needed a win, you know, and UTSA played good enough uh near the end of the game, uh, as far as their defense standing up and making some key stops there uh, to actually help help UTSA secure the victory. And it was a tight game. I mean, we thought it was going to be uh, a tight game, and it was closer, that I think, than we anticipated at 31-27. to 27. Uh, But the next opponent for UTSA coming up is going to be uh, the juggernaut right now that is uh, Texas A&M. Well, for, for UTSA, in other words, because the Aggies, I mean... Let's face it, man. They they have uh, a deeper deeper pockets and uh, possibly even better talent, you know. So this is going to be a, a test for the Roadrunners. What are you expecting when they face the Texas A and M Aggies? Yeah, no, the Roadrunners are going to have their hands full. Uh, you just look at some of the opponents that played outside of the division. You look at uh, teams like Baylor or Army and what they were able to do to UTSA. And now UTSA going on the road uh, out there to College Station. It's going to be a rough one, and I think UTSA, is. Um, it was good for them to get a win this past weekend. But, you know, the, it, it, you know the, it's time to get over that hump, focus on A&M. They're going to have to play hard defense. They can be, you know, creating those penalties on the road. Uh, cause, uh, you know, the Aggies are going to eat them up when it comes to that. I think they got us, uh, you know, the run game, they got, uh, it would be nice to see them getting McCormick a little bit more carries early on to just to prevent, uh, the offense from the Aggies being on the field as much and, you know, try to make it more of a, of a, of a level playing field. Yeah, that's true. Let's go ahead and take a look real quick. See uh, if, uh, UTSA has moved up in the standings a little bit, uh, for conference USA and it, you know, it looks like they have, uh, Louisiana Tech is still tops, you know, followed by UAB, Southern Miss, North Texas. Then you have UTSA, UTEP, and then Rice. UTEP and Rice haven't won a single game. UTSA uh, has in conference play. They've, as far as their records go, it's two and two. UTEP and Rice haven't won a game in conference play at this point. They're zero and three. So their overall record for UTEP is one and five, and Rice is zero and seven. UTSA's overall record right now is three and four. So, I mean, what are you expecting uh, for UTSA for the rest of the season? Do you think that they can still make a little run and and kind of move up in in the standings a little bit, or you think they're pretty much going to be, you know, right in the bottom of the pack? Uh, it's interesting because they definitely have the talent. It's kind of the way they, you know, they, the play calling and the way their game flow goes. Uh, but they still have a, a chance in the division. Uh, you know, they might have a tough, a tough time with A&M coming up. But I think, you know, you're looking at Southern Miss uh, coming up, Old Dominion, they could definitely win those games. Uh, cl- closing out the season against Florida Atlantic and Louisiana Tech, that's going to be a little tougher. Those are more of the, you know, some of the top two teams in the division. Uh I don't know how you know how Florida Atlantic is going to do going forward, but Louisiana Tech, 
from what we've seen so far, they're pretty much a juggernaut. So I think UTSA is still definitely in the mix. Uh, there's some winnable games there. It's going to be tough to close out the season, but I'm not rolling out UTSA out. Not, not yet. Hey, what do you have to say for these fans? Because I know you heard them, and I know JJ what was hearing it as well because I kind of let him know because he was sitting right next to me. Uh, right when the game started, uh, and he had uh, some issues, you know, in the beginning, mistakes being made, things of that nature. We are, we heard early chants of, from the fans saying, fire, fire Frank, fire Frank. I'm like, really, man? <laughs> uh, the fans are kind of brutal, dude. I mean, yeah, the season is what it is. But I, I think for the most part, uh, Frank Wilson's done a really good job uh, with this organization, you know, getting them to where they are now, you know. So I, I kind of uh, I understand why they're frustrated, but I, I think it's kind of unwarranted at times for them to be so so upset, you know. So I mean, what did you think about those chants? Yeah, uh, I I think those fans uh, they kind of it's like they they want to win right now, and I completely yeah. understand. You look at last season; last season was rough for UTSA. It hasn't been that good lately. It's been very cloudy. Uh, the past few seasons. So, you know, putting yourself in the fan's shoes, I could understand why, you know, they feel this way. And the way football is, it's not like, you know, like basketball, where if, you know, whatever team they're rooting for made a loss on Monday, it's easy to, you know, to kind of get over that loss because they, they're playing again Tuesday night or they're playing again Wednesday night. Whereas football, you know, especially college sports, uh, like UTSA just played Saturday, you won't see them play again until um, November the 2nd, two weeks from now. So I think it causes a little more sense of urgency, uh, you know, depending if it win or loss, uh, fans have a little bit more to dwell on. And I think that's why you see sometimes fans panic a little bit more because it's just week to week. And, you know, with football, fans are just heavily uh, emotionally invested into the game to where I just think they let their emotions get the best of them. Sometimes it's, you know, it's a, it's a long season. Uh, a lot could happen. You know, injuries happen. We've seen teams get hot at the right time, you know, make that run. So, I, I you know, with UTSA right now being three and four uh, overall, uh, I don't, you know, two and two in the conference, I don't think, uh, you know, they should panic just yet. There's, you know, there's still some definitely some winnable games coming up. And uh, yeah, we still got another two months of football. Yeah, that we do. So, I know I'll be looking forward to, to seeing what, what transpires with this team as the rest of the season unfolds. I have high hopes that. They can kind of turn things around a little bit and and make a, a better push. You know, maybe they can move up in the conference a little bit more. But only time will tell, to, you know, and see how well they can play. If they can upset Texas A&M, that would definitely be a, com a confidence booster. And, you know, we've seen stranger things happen. I'm going to be honest with you, Orlando. So there's always a possibility. You know, there's that slight chance that they can pull up the upset. I mean, I think you would agree with me on that regard, correct? Oh, yeah. There's always a chance. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah. So moving on from, you know, UTSA talk, we're going to go ahead and uh, kind of recap uh, the Yankees and the Astros game. I know we were watching this uh, game as far as the stats stats go during the UTSA game. We're kind of keeping track of it and keeping track of the score. I remember early in the first inning, you had uh, told me you leaned over and said, hey, the Astros are up on the Yankees four to one. And that was great. It was only what the first inning, right? Yeah, I believe it was uh 3-0 but yeah they had a uh you know big first inning they should have won uh i know they felt that they should have won game five close it out out there in the bronx but uh it was a you know trying to keep up with that game but actually got off to a hot start 
Yeah, that they did. And it looks like they needed to get off to that hot start because the final was 6-4, you know. But more more importantly, I mean, we got to look to see why the Astros won this game, you know. I mean, yeah, they got off to the quick start, but it looks like the Astros were taking full advantage of the, the opportunities that they had throughout the game, you know, notching what they had, like six hits, six walks, uh, and they were also, what uh, was it, but planting uh, half of those, I guess, off of what was it, like base runners, I, I believe. So the efficiency was, you know, pretty good, especially in the ninth, you know. Uh, they had Springer. He, he walked with uh, two outs, and Altuve followed with the, you know, the walk-off home run, and, you know, that that was all she wrote, you know, to, to end the game. I mean, it's kind of fitting that, one of the the smallest players out there is <laughs> he's really good at the bat, you know. So <laughs> that that's surprising. I know I've seen a lot of funny memes up over there uh, on social media for from Jose Altuve, but I think that the the Astros really did play a good game, you know, in the bottom innings uh, to secure the win, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, definitely a good game, and you know the Astros have you know been a, do- a dominant team, uh, you know. You know, have some friends who are big Astro fans, and you know they say it all the time. It's like you know, there's games they feel the Astros could just win there, but you know they like to make it exciting at times. And uh, definitely, you know, it just had all the drama at the end. Uh, you know, a storied franchise like the Yankees, and you know they're on the road, and you know the Astros, and you got it, you know, pretty much tied up at the end, and then Altuve just seals the deal. Uh, they were just very efficient, you know, when it came to the pitching and hitting. And they did what they had to do, and it was a pretty exciting game. Yeah, that it was. You know, I I, I kind of was listening to it on the drive back home. You know, I was listening to the game, and I finally was able to watch it uh, on TV. You know, I finally was able to watch the the Altuve, Jose Altuve's uh, walk-off homer. I was like, oh, that's a fitting end. You know, they're moving on. We kind of suspected that they would, you know. So now they're going to face the Washington Nationals, and I believe that game gets uh, – Gets underway tomorrow, I believe. I think it's what at seven o'clock, seven seven thirty, somewhere around there. Seven oh eight start time, I believe. Uh, so, something like that. But yeah, road series underway. So it's just crazy how fast it's come on. But uh, you know, great to be you know being a sports fan. You, you know, in the middle of football, you got basketball coming up, and now the World Series and. Uh, pretty good you know you got two pretty good teams in a road series so it's going to be interesting to see how the nationals come out and uh you know what the i know that the nationals have had some time to you know kind of recover and stuff but after you know with the win like that by the astros they're definitely going to be walking into game one with you know a huge boost of confidence uh when they play the nationals yeah you know i don't really have a dog in this fight because i'm a red sox fan i'm just gonna sit back and watch it you know whoever wins good for them you know i'm not gonna jump on the bandwagon and say oh i'm a nationals fan oh i'm an astros fan i've never been an astros fan you know i respect the team and and their fan base and and what they've been able to do over the last you know couple years especially winning the the world series but you know i i just wish the team the best and whoever wins wins you know but i'm just gonna sit back and be entertained and enjoy some some world series baseball you know so it's always a good good thing especially you know in october that's what you everybody gets up for, you know. It's the the playoffs, you know, for, for MLB, and they love the World Series. So I know I'll be glued to my my TV watching it, you know, and then just enjoying it because I know how it feels when your team wins it all, you know. My Red Sox, you know. So unfortunately, they didn't even make the playoffs this year. But that I digress, dude. That's uh, a topic for another day. <laughs> 
So moving on, we're going to go ahead and, and move uh, towards our last uh, segment. And that's going to be kind of previewing a little bit of the Spurs 2019-2020 season that'll get underway here on Wednesday as they go ahead and face off the New York Knicks. And we're going to see the return, or not the return, but the the first appearance of Marquise Morris, who kind of reneged on his uh, contract in the offseason and made the Spurs trade away a valuable you know, uh, piece to their puzzle in Davis Bertans. He is now a uh, Washington Wizard, you know, and it's kind of like left a sour taste in Spurs fans' mouth because we kind of traded him away for nothing, seeing as, you know, Marquise Morris reneged on the con- on his uh, agreement and signed with the New York Knicks. So he even said, I believe uh, my friend Jeff Garcia of News 4 said Marquise Morris alluded, you know, he made a comment and said if he was uh, a fan of the San Antonio Spurs, he would boo himself too, but... He's just glad that he doesn't have to play here but one time and then moving on for the rest of the season. So, yeah, you're you're left with that. But what are your expectations for this team as it's currently constructed, Orlando, uh, for the upcoming season now that we have a a healthy DeJounte Murray back and, you know, you have Derek White, you do have Bryn Forbes and the usual, you know, suspects and Marco Beninelli. Now we have Damari Carroll, a new addition, you know, so... What are your expectations for the team? Uh, it's you know it's pretty exciting. It's I, I think uh, you know there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, you still got two all stars in the starting lineup with DeRozan and LA. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see uh, a Mary in this season. Um, I don't know if I should expect a fast start to Mary right away. I know he's coming off that ACL tell, uh, tear. Uh, he's done some good stuff in the preseason and training camp. He's looked good, but I you know. Being just having that long layoff from basketball, you know, I uh, I think uh, it it might be a little bit of a slower start for Mary, but it's gonna be exciting to see him. Uh, you know, the way it went the season ended last year, Derek White was you know off to a hot start. It's gonna be interesting to see how Derek White comes into this year, uh, how much he improves it improves, or there's a little regression. You're looking at the bench. Um, you still got your, you know, you still you got your veterans. You got Rudy Gay coming back, uh, Patty Mills. Bellinelli, as you said, and I like the addition of Damari Carroll. So uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, Coach Pop's still at the helm. You got, you know, Duncan there right there with them. Um, It's going to be a little tough with some of the games coming up to begin the season. But, uh, you know, just being a Spurs fan and, you know, ready for the season, I mean, the Spurs are always there. You know, a lot of people are continuously coming out and, you know, writing them off and, for the Spurs for just I think it's been like over 20 years already just continue to prove people wrong so uh, definitely some growing pains but I I think there's still going to be plenty uh, still to be excited for this Spurs season. Yeah I'm excited that the season's even upon us now you know I mean it's been so long since we've seen Spurs basketball like the start of the season to me it's almost like Christmas day you know I get that excited to you know see Spurs basketball again and what I'm really, you know, excited to see is I want to see DeJounte Murray and I want to see Derek White on the court at the same time, possibly in a starting five where the starting five potentially could be DeJounte, Derek White, DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and and Yaka Portal. But, you know, Coach Pop, he always plays with the lineups when the season first starts and he wants to see how certain players will, will mesh and gel out there on the court. So I'm sure that that starting five will 
will change from game to game, you know, and even the the key reserves, you know, like we you just alluded to, you have Patty Mills, Damari Carroll, you have Rudy Gay, you know, um, how are they going to be played uh, from time to time? I guess it's also going to depend on the opponent as well, you know, and, and who Pop thinks are going to, you know, be his better matchups out there. So all these things have a factor to play as the season starts. It's going to be a little frustrating, I think, for Spurs fans because they're going to want the Spurs to come out of the gate and maybe go 10-0, and 0, you know, but realistically, that might not happen. You know, this team stays above 500 or they slip a little bit. It's fine. You know, it's, it's the beginning of the season and Pop's going to work and work his magic and move around players and play with different lineups up there until he really finds something that he's really wanting to get uh, the most out of as far as production on the court. But it's an exciting time right now because we have a lot of these younger players uh, and you have a lot of Spurs fan favorites. Specifically, you have the, you know, the Lonnie Walker, uh, which is a, a fan favorite and everybody wants to see him get more playing time. And I believe that this might, in fact, be the year that he does get a little bit more playing time and he's going to be able to show the fans uh, what he can do out there on the court. Uh, I'd like to also see more out of uh, Shizemi Metu. Uh, I like the fact that uh, Tim Duncan's been, you know, an assistant head coach on the team and he's been able to work with some of these younger players. And it shows, you know, with Shazeme during the, the preseason, you could tell that Coach Duncan was working his magic with him because Shazeme had great footwork. He was doing a, a patented little, you know, kind of spin move to the basket uh, and he was able to finish with a little little hook shot, you know, kind of. Tim Duncan reminiscent, you know, so I like these these things that uh, Timmy's been in uh, kind of, I guess, uh, instilling on these younger players. You know, you could tell he's also worked with Jakob Portal a little bit as well. So I like all these things. You know, I think right now we're in this influx where we have some of the veteran players, but now it's kind of they're giving paving way for these younger players to start coming to their own now. So I think that's the thing that we should really keep an eye on is kind of the changing of the guard, Orlando. I mean, what do you think of some of these younger players that are, are possibly going to be coming into their own this season? Oh, I'm excited as a, as a fan. Uh, you know, you got some fresher legs out there. Uh, Murray, we've seen promise with uh, Forbes and White. Uh, Lonnie Walker is the guy that I really want to see get playing time. I know it's not going to happen right away. Uh, you know, they want to take care of him. They want to ease him in. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see when, you know, maybe midseason when Lonnie Walker is trying to uh, kick it up a notch. I want to see what DeJounte Murray can do. I know last year, there, you know, there was a lot of praise that, you know, he was going to be one of the key pieces for the Spurs in 2018. I want to see how he bounces back. Uh, really excited to see uh, Murray. So for the, all this young talent coming up. I'm really excited for. There's some. Uh, there's definitely a, a lot of room for improvement. But as a Spurs fan, you gotta love some of the key pieces that Pop has and what he's able to do with some of these players. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I'm gonna ask you a question too, though, man. We've been asking everybody who comes out on the show if you have to give a prediction of this season for the Spurs uh, as far as where their record is going to be. What would you say? Do you think it's gonna be? 50 wins or, you know, 50 plus wins, or you think it's going to be less than 50 wins, kind of like 48, 47 wins. Uh, what's your prediction? Man, this is a little hard, but I've been thinking about that too, looking at the schedule. And, but I think they're going to get right to 50, 51 wins. Um, 
only because they have a long track record of doing it. I just think it's so hard just to ride off the Spurs off the ship right away. Uh, you know, Pop's been the Spurs, the system there. They've just been so consistent. The formula has just been working for them. Uh, you got a couple guys coming back healthy. You got another another year with DeRozan being into the Spurs system. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is still playing at a high level. Uh, so I'm going to say they get to 50 wins. I'm not going to um, – as far as how how many wins of 50, I'm going to say under 50 – around 51, 52 possibly. But I still think they do get to 50 win mark. Uh, they, 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 the formula is still working for them down there in San Antonio. Yeah, that formula is working. You know, the Spurs have been the pinnacle of uh, greatness here in the NBA, and they've made the playoffs for the last 20-plus years. I think that trend will continue. Me specifically, and my prediction for the team, given, you know, the the familiar faces we have coming back, plus we have the return of DeJounte, I think that's going to be good enough to garner the Spurs anywhere from 50 to 53 wins. I still expect them to be somewhere around maybe the sixth seed when it's all said and done. But I know that the Western Conference is going to have a lot of teams that are much improved. Uh, and it's going to be hard, you know, to, to make the playoffs. Because I believe uh, from what I've seen, you have a plethora of, of teams. You know, specifically, I believe you have 13 teams that were going to be vying for a spot in the playoffs. And each one of these teams is, you know, is good in their own right. It's just we just have to see how the, the season will play out. And hopefully this, the, the, the team can remain healthy. And they can keep working on all the things that they were working on last season that really were, you know, key, key factors for their success and improve upon that. You know, so I have a lot of hope for this team. I believe, you know, like I said, that they're going to be there in the end. And of course, it's going to be the same thing. You know, the Spurs are going to fly under the radar. Everybody's going to give them, you know, no shot and they're not going to make the playoffs and they're not going to they have no shot at, at beating this team in the first round of the playoffs if they make the playoffs you know but I think this team is actually going to surprise some people this season and they're just going to keep trucking along and they're going to be one of those teams Orlando that nobody wants to see in the first round of the playoffs you know it's it's the same old thing again so I wish the team nothing but success I know I'm going to be there watching the games and covering the games, uh, you know, and, and, and doing a lot of things this season. So it's, it's exciting, man. It's yeah, exciting. no, one thing I like, for, you know, from the Spurs is uh, they really got that grittiness to them. And, you know, that sense of urgency when they feel their backs kind of against the wall. They come out there, uh, you know, as classy as the organization is, the Spurs, uh, you know, they're not afraid to get physical. So when push comes to shove, uh, you know, they're going to have that mentality to do what they need to secure the games that they need to win to stay within six seven eight or even further into the western standings so it's gonna it's definitely gonna be uh interesting and you know to see how they come out and handle everything again going into the season when a lot of people are writing them off yeah most definitely so again spurs the spurs season is just around the corner it's gonna tip off on wednesday and you know what i like more about Anything then, you know, the Spurs season is going to be here and it's already going to get off to a start is the return of the HEB Spurs commercials. We got that to look forward to on opening day. And they even they put like the first half of the commercials, I think, on on opening day. And then they wait till the second game of the season where they'll unveil the rest of the commercials. So that's something that we're all looking forward to. We know that they're going to have a Legends commercial and they're going to have the big three reunited for that. They're going to have Tony. They're going to have. Manu, they're going to have Tim Duncan in there. Uh, Bruce Bowen, I saw that he was going to be part of that as well. So that's going to be funny to 
to see, you know, and, and enjoy that as well. So I know that's something you look forward to as do all Spurs fans, you know, the, the HEB Spurs commercials. Oh, yeah, those Spurs commercials are classic. The retirement ones I love. But just as long as they've been doing now, uh, the Spurs commercials are great. And I just think as the, year, as the seasons go by, that just becomes a stable as, as uh, what fans look towards to as well, uh, especially with some of the newer players who come along. And, you know, might be a little bit new to some of the stuff from H-E-B. Like, it's it's real great. And whoever writes those commercials, uh, you know, hats off to them. Uh, it, it's, they're very funny. And as cheesy as some of them may be, might be, they're very hilarious. Right, most definitely, man. But I got to ask you something, you know, right before we go ahead and finally end this episode of the Two Shots podcast. Do you think this is going to be the season that we finally, as Spurs fans, get our Fiesta colored jerseys? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say no. I, you know, we've been calling for those, oh my God, for so long already. I just don't see that happening. I, I would like to see it. Unfortunately, I just don't think we're going to get it anytime soon. Hopefully it does happen, but uh, I don't think this is going to be the year. I would like to be proved wrong, though. Um, I would, too. You know, I would I would love to be proved wrong. I hope that we do get some inkling of, you know, a Fiesta-inspired jersey. I my, What are the realistic expectations I have? We're probably not going to get that. We'll probably get... The retro throwback to the George Gervin era, I'd still be happy with that because, um, you know, a lot of other uh, teams have already shown that they have the retro courts, they have, you know, the retro jerseys, and they were all going with that 90s vibe, you know, where they had those iconic uh, jerseys from the 90s. I think the 90s was like the golden era for for NBA jerseys, you know, and, and the and the logos. That's when things were starting to really, you know, pop and they were messing with colors and and different styles, you know, and I really like that. But for whatever reason, man, the Spurs just are probably going to wind up giving us the, the camel jerseys once again. And Spurs fans are going to get upset. However, the Spurs did have a line of clothing that's coming out that is Fiesta inspired for the fans. I think that's going to be the consolation prize. But, you know, I hope we're both wrong, Orlando, and we do get a Fiesta themed jersey, you know, that they would finally give us what we've been waiting for for so long. So without further ado, man. Before we go ahead and end this episode, where can the fans go and see all the great content that you have uh, coming out? And where can they follow you on social media? Uh, you could, they could definitely give me a follow at It's Lando Yo on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, funny name. You might see it as Brown Adam Shafter. But you could definitely find my work at uh, My Fantasy Sports Talk, doing a lot of uh, – uh, football stuff, especially fantasy football, and on fan sided as contributor for them. Although, as for fan sided, I'm I I do all the MMA stuff, well, a lot of MMA stuff with them. So uh, for more football and basketball, will definitely be on my fantasy sports talk. So there you go. Make sure you go and follow Orlando, and you also check out uh, you know his other work, his his articles that he writes for my fantasy sports talk, and also for fan sided. Uh, and also make sure you follow us at Two Shots Podcast. It's all spelled out. T-W-O-S-H-O-T-S Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even on YouTube now. We're going to be posting more live uh, videos there. So make sure you subscribe and follow us there. And that's about all the time we have for today's episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And, you know, speaking for Orlando Torres, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. Peace.